the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill, and there's been a lot of Star Wars news over the past weeks and months, and we haven't had a chance to talk about Star Wars in a while, not since our review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. So we wanted to get into some of the different Star Wars news that's been making the rounds over the past few months and uh, talk about that a little bit in this episode. But before we get into that, it is always good to check in with Carrie as she continues on the Walking with Dinosaurs tour. And Carrie, where are you walking with dinosaurs at this week? This week, I am in Riga, Latvia, which is in northeastern Europe. This country used to be part of the Soviet Union occupation. Wow. And how long are you there for? I'm actually only here for three days. Uh, we're only here half of the week. The other half of the week, um, let's see, I think it's on Thursday morning, we head over to uh, Kaunas, Lithuania. Awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. We uh, um, got to walk around the Old Town area here. They have this massive monument of, uh, I think it's called the Freedom Monument, and it's just to... Um, dedicate it's dedicated to their their freedom from soviet rule because they were they were ruled by the soviet union and then they were occupied by germany and then occupied by the soviet union again so that's actually quite powerful and there were a lot of um flowers by it and stuff and um i have to say we just opened tonight and our audience was probably the best audience we've had so far on the tour they were they were amazing yeah. Wow. What what makes a good audience for your show? Well, I mean, as soon as the lights went down, they started applauding. I mean, that's pretty good. Like we we hadn't even done anything yet, and they were already <laughs> applauding us. Uh, no, they were just very responsive. You could hear them. They they laughed in all the right places. They actually applauded more than any other audience. Like I said, as soon as the lights went down, and we have a. a a little like 15 minute intermission or interval, they call it here, um, halfway through the show. And after that intermission or after the interval, the show started again, they applauded. Yay, it's starting again. It was like, wow, they're really good. This is great. And of course, at the end of the show, they were clapping and, and whistling and, and it was great. Good audience. Awesome. And what other uh, exciting things have you had a chance to do in your international tour recently? Uh, well, one other thing that was really interesting that I saw when we were on our way back from the arena today is that there is a museum that is dedicated to the history of the KGB in Latvia. Wow. I thought that was interesting. But um, uh, last week, I was in London. We had a week off. And I got to see the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child play in London. And that was absolutely incredible. They, the performances were amazing. Uh, it was a really, really long day of theater. It's in two, if you're not familiar, it's in two parts. But the first part, uh, is about three hours long. And there's an intermission or an interval in the middle of that. And then you have about a two-hour break if you do it all in one day. Well, two and a half-hour break or so in between. 
and then you come back for the second half. And the second half is almost just as long. It's about two and a half hours long with a wow. break in the middle. And, oh, it was so good. They did so many wonderful um, theatrical effects that were just so simple but so well done. And I don't want to give anything away from anybody that hasn't seen it before. But I was really surprised that there were little elements of, of puppetry and puppetry techniques that they used that I was so happy to see. And uh, a lot of really good um, digital mapping, like digital uh, projection that they used within the show. And uh, yeah, it was so it was just really incredibly done. I was I was very happy that I got to go and see it because it's very difficult to get tickets. And then continuing on with my Harry Potter week that I had, I went to the Warner Brothers studio tour and got to see they have this massive um, just collection of set pieces and props and costumes uh, from the Harry, all the Harry Potter movies. And that tour takes about three hours. And that was absolutely incredible. Very cool. It's it's interesting to see the evolution of storytelling within the Harry Potter universe, because I think that's going to segue nicely into to some of what we're going to be talking about today with uh, different aspects of the Star Wars universe and how all that's expanding. It seems like content within these universes is becoming more and more accessible on multiple platforms. So we can kind of transition from that into the first few stories that I wanted to get into with regards to Star Wars. And there's just been so much that we haven't had a chance to talk about. But recently, one of the things that we did see is a new trailer for the Star Wars Resistance animated series that's going to be making its way uh, onto, I believe, a Disney Channel on... Uh, October 7th, I want to say, but we did see the new trailer kind of geared towards younger audiences, but we do have another Star Wars animated series. You know, I am so out of the loop with all of this stuff. You're saying you have all this news and these trailers, and I have not seen any of it. So this is going to all be actual news to me. (laughs) Well, this seems to set up the uh, premise of the show, which is that you have this character, this main character who's been sent on a mission from Poe Dameron, basically as a spy to see uh, kind of how big and how great a threat the First Order is. So this seems to be all preceding The Force Awakens. Uh, there's Poe Dameron in there. There's Princess Leia in there, or General Leia, uh, we can call her. And so it does seem to be another one of these stories that's set prior to events of some of the uh, film stuff that we've seen recently in the sequel trilogy. Gotcha. Because that was going to be my first question is when do this when does this happen? So there we go. Okay, so it's a prequel. Yeah, and apparently they are going to be working in ties to other uh, Star Wars characters. I've heard rumors that Han and Chewie may show up in here at some point. I've heard rumors that Ahsoka Tano may show up in here at some point. Uh, so this is going to be another, you know, new platform for Star Wars storytelling, uh, in this animated area. And, uh, it definitely seems skewed towards a younger audience, but who knows? Could still be fun. Could be a way to keep, uh, younger kids kind of in tuned and, um, I don't know, just getting them more involved in the Star Wars universe. I think 
from this. Now, I don't know who the main characters of this necessarily are going to be. I know you just mentioned some big names within the Star Wars universe, but who is it really going to focus on? But I'm hoping maybe we'll learn a little bit about what happened between Han and, and Leia. Because I'm actually curious about that. And maybe we will find out or see the events that led to C-3PO getting that red arm. Hmm. I know that. I think they did that in like a comic book or something. But I think. I believe they did. But I think that was just so random of a thing to throw in the movie. It's like, oh, you probably don't recognize me because of my red arm. It was just so. It was such a random thing to just drop in there and. uh yeah, maybe we'll actually see this on screen instead of, you know, in a comic book or something. You never know. You never know. Um, however, Star Wars Resistance did hit a bit of a snag last week, and that was when one of the voice actresses by the name of Rachel Batera uh, decided to post something on Twitter that she probably regrets posting. Actually, definitely regrets posting. Yeah. Um yeah, it was last week during the testimony in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford when Rachel Batera decided to post a video of herself mocking Dr. Ford's voice while she was, like, in front of the Judiciary Committee, like, while it was happening. Led to a lot of very, very angry people. Uh, she had, you know, deleted the video that she posted. She posted a, a five or six thread long apology for, you know, what she did, but, uh, definitely a moment of tone deafness that upset a great many people. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it's so much the fact that she was just mocking her voice. Uh, but it was some, it was some of the content of what she said. Mm. And 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 some of it was kind of alluding to the fact that the way that she speaks, it's it's surprising that she's a doctor. You know, it's kind of insulting her right. that that somebody who speaks in that manner wouldn't be intelligent enough to be a doctor. Yeah. And I think that's probably the the main issue. Uh, with it, because I, I I respect the fact that she is a wonderful voice actress, and she can probably imitate a lot of people's voice, and and that's not insulting, but I think it's the con it's the content of what she said specifically that was insulting. Yeah, and I think that that this really um, it strikes a chord with a lot of people for for many different reasons. One, just the the tone deafness. Yeah. And the inability to kind of like read the room, you know, when you when you go and you post something that that ridiculous and that that foolish. Yeah. Uh, but also, it is also the fact that, uh, that she is voicing Leia. Yeah. In this new series, and uh, that does not uh, it, it. Carrie Fisher is as part of Princess Leia as anything, and. That is not the kind of thing that Carrie Fisher would have, uh, like, it, it, it really dishonors the legacy of that character yeah. and what Carrie Fisher brought to that character. It's really antithetical to who Carrie Fisher was and the spirit that she put into Leia. And I think that's why you're seeing so much, um, you know, strong reaction to what she said. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can only, I, I guess, empathize with this this voice actress 
in in a way because she's taking on a role or she has taken on a role that is bigger than most people and it's difficult to step in those shoes because you have this iconic not only just an iconic character but an iconic person and this iconic personality that like you said that that expands beyond that character that it's just all encompassed into one and to step into that and almost have to quite literally step into those shoes and and realize at some level your personal life isn't so personal to you anymore because of that. I mean, because you're going you have this massive amounts of responsibility that you have on your shoulders and um uh, a lot of people don't do so well with that as we just saw. And um I don't envy that whatsoever because it's it's like you uh, if if she wasn't if she hadn't have been playing the role of Princess Leia and she did this mocking video, I don't know how many people might have seen this or even cared. I don't know, but um, Disney has fired people for less. This is very but, very true. They've yes. also they've also fired people for stupid things they've said on Twitter. Yeah, they've also Look no fired further people. Than Roseanne or James Gunn. Yeah, they. I was just going to bring up the thing with James Gunn. They fired people because of what other people have said about them, because of things that they said years and years ago that they have since, you know, come around to and have made themselves a better person and, you know, whatnot. So, uh, yeah, this I'm I'm actually kind of shocked that I haven't heard of any kind of repercussions or any official statements or anything in the kind. Yeah, it's 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 not a good look for the actress. It's not a good look for the show. It no. doesn't do anything to promote uh, the show in any way. It, it's only a detriment. There has been no announcement about whether or not she's going to be kept on or not. Uh, I have a hard time believing that she will be uh, when you do something so blatantly ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's the worst of this social media culture, right? It's like the first react. It's like you got to be first, and you got to be the snarkiest. Yeah, and that's the thing that I really loathe and despise about Twitter at times. It seems to be one of those things where if you want to get attention, you got to be as snarky as possible, and you got to do it as quickly as possible. But in this case, she failed to read the room, and the room basically being all of the United States that was tuned into that testimony. So uh, it's her own foolishness. It's her own stupidity. It's her own ignorance. I don't care what happens to her. I think she probably should be fired. I don't really feel bad for her at all. I think she does dishonor the legacy of what that character stands for. So could but care you know less what? what happens to her. But you know what, though? When you said reads the room and it was the entire United States, you would be surprised uh, that it's it's the world that was watching. I am I'm not just saying it because I am not in the United States currently. And I did watch the the trials or the the it wasn't really a trial, but the interview, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are pe- people that are from. Um, all different countries that I'm working with, from Australia, from Italy, from France, from the UK, that I was shocked, you know, while we were all off last week and everybody, you know, today was our first day back and everybody was talking about it. Everybody, I was getting this international perspective of, of people that were also watching this. 
And I think so often we operate in a vacuum and you think, oh, this is happening in the United States and you're not really realizing that there are people around the world that are watching this. And it was, it was, I mean, not to, (laughs) we're getting all political now on our podcast, but um, it was just really interesting to hear their perspective and to hear them say, you know, it's, it's been, they've have found it fascinating to watch all of this happen to the United States, all of this happening in the United States. And uh, yeah, it's really eye opening to hear that. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see if she keeps her job on Star Wars Resistance. I have a hard time believing that's gonna, gonna happen. But, uh, let's move on to the next yes. story that, that also came out recently. And this, this again falls under the, the umbrella of many different ways to get content because another thing that was announced is Vader Immortal, which is going to be a VR series written and produced by David S. Goyer, who wrote The Dark Knight and also um, helped create the Secrets of the Empire VR experience. And this is going to be a three-part series set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And there's not a lot of details right now, uh, but it's going to visit Darth Vader's castle on Mustafar, uh, which we also saw in Rogue One, and we'll encounter Vader in this VR series. The the people will um, wield a lightsaber in this series, so it's this kind of mix of virtual reality meets storytelling in this really new um, kind of secretive project that's going on, and this is just a whole new way to get content. This sounds like a really bizarre idea. So, forgive me for my lack of knowledge... But I don't understand. I mean, I know what virtual reality is. I know what VR is. But how, what makes a VR series? Is it, it's not like a, a video game or I don't understand how you experience this. Yeah, I, they're not really giving out a whole lot of details, but it does sound like a cross between a, a series and it's a kind of a interactive like gaming experience. Because I'm wondering, because they, you know, over the last, I don't know, year or two, how these VR goggles that you can get, um, you know, that you put your cell phone in it or whatever, and you do these little VR experiences. I mean, I'm wondering, is it going to be something like that, where you're kind of in the middle of it and you're seeing it happen around you and you're just an observer? Or is it going to be more interactive? Is it going to be a game, but they only release bits of the game in parts? I don't know. I, I'm really curious as to a VR series, what that means. Yeah. And I, I think that that, that puts uh, you and I and pretty much everybody else in the same boat. Hmm. I don't know that anything like this has really been tried before, but they've got talent behind it. They've got technology behind it. They've got investment behind it. And apparently they're going to really try to create these more immersive experiences and, and incorporating storytelling elements into those, uh, VR experiences. So I guess more on this to come, but it is a really unique and compelling idea. I don't know what the intended audience for this really is. I don't know that there's a demand for it, but sometimes you just put the product out there and see when the demand comes later. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's not much more on it than that. There's a little mini trailer that's been put out, uh, and you can find that online. But yeah, it's a very 
it's a very compelling idea. I, I don't know much more about it, but it looks like we are getting more and more ways to uh, take in content. Well, all right, then. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know much more about this. Uh, all I've really seen is the trailer and read the uh, little blurb that was released about it. So, uh, again, talent behind it with David Goyer, uh, being one of the, the main creative minds driving it. So I think we'll see. It's, it's definitely going to be something that, that's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. It's just, it's, um, it's, it's curious to me. I'm not, I'm not curious about the content itself, but it's just the manner of which it's delivered. You know, does, is it going right. to require people to buy some kind of a device or is it something where you're using something you have already or, you know, I don't know. Cause it, it sounds to me like that sounds very niche, you know, or, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious because I'm, I'm wondering, is it going to be something that's so amazing that's that people are going to want out and buy, want to run out and buy some kind of specific device just for this? Well, it could also be something that's very like age defined, right? Where I feel like our generation is not as into VR technology or augmented reality technology the way that maybe the generation behind us is. Yeah. So it could be something like that. Oh, my age is showing. Sorry. I'm telling you, we're getting old, Carrie. We're I getting know. old. I, I just had a birthday, too. All right, so, so Carrie, another big oh, story oh, that oh, we no. want to get yep. into oh, is the reveal of some of the details <laughs> about the, the Star Wars live-action series that Jon Favreau is going to be showrunning for the Disney streaming service that's due to debut in 2019. So we have a title, we have a synopsis, and we even have directors. A lot of exciting stuff about to happen. Even more than that, we even have a photo now. We do, we do. So the title of the series is going to be called The Mandalorian. And uh, StarWars.com posted the kind of synopsis on their website the other day. Uh, basically, I'll read the synopsis. It is as follows. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is sent after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy from the authority of the New Republic. All right. I might have read that wrong, but whatever. Uh, it is going to be John Favreau who's going to be writing and showrunning. Uh, and then also we have directors too. And the directors I found were fascinating because we have Dave Filoni from Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars and the Rebel series as well. Perfect. We also have Deborah Chow who's going to be directing, uh, Rick Famuyiwa, Bryce Dallas Howard. What? And. Taika Waititi. Yes! Okay, so the list of directors, I had heard that there was a list of directors. I have not seen them, and now I'm totally jazzed because of that last one. There's a lot of people I think that might be divided, that might be really, really happy, and then some that might be really bummed, because there's a lot of people, uh, after he directed um, Thor Ragnarok, that really do not care for his style, but there are people like myself and you that really, really fucking love it. I love what he does, and now I'm now I'm even more jazzed about this series. Oh, I am so excited. 
Yeah, the the list of directors here is really impressive. I mean, really impressive. Uh, you know, you got a lot of talent here. It's also great that Dave Filoni is going to be in the director's chair, and of course, Taika Waititi. It, it's it's showing something that we've talked about before, and that's how much care they're taking with this Disney streaming service. Um, you know, if you've been following this at all, one of the other stories that broke last week was that Marvel is going to be doing two limited run series of Scarlet Witch and then another series for Loki. So these limited run series that they're going to do, where they've actually gotten Tom Hiddleston and they're also going to get Elizabeth Olsen to kind of reprise their roles as these characters. And what this is really speaking to, and Bob Iger talked about this in a recent interview, is that they're aiming for quality original content as well to drive those numbers. And I think what we're seeing here with this list of directors is very exciting. Now... There's a huge curveball, though, because Bryce Dallas Howard. Now, granted, she comes from directing pedigree with her father having just directed Solo. So it's not unheard of that she would have lots of knowledge about directing. But has she actually directed anything yet? I'm not familiar with her on the backside of a camera. I think she is trying to kind of work her way behind the camera. Uh, She has directed some short films previously, and I think she did an episode of television as well. So she hasn't done feature-length stuff yet. Uh, She hasn't done television yet. I actually do think she did um, some sort of, like, kind of documentary thing that she did, but... um, so she has very limited experience, but she comes from a great pedigree, uh, and I think that's going to be kind of exciting as well, to see what she can do behind the camera. And this also, like, it's also a very diverse group of directors as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Huh. And I think that's exciting. And then you talked about the the first image of the show, the yeah. first kind of, uh, you know, image that we've seen, and uh, that Mandalorian armor. We don't know on what planet this takes place on. Uh, we know it's kind of in the outer reaches of the galaxy. I think that is one killer piece that they're going to be, uh, it, that, that costume. It's just one killer costume. I love it. Well, I mean, that's, that's the iconic thing, right? It's, it's not, that armor isn't specific to Boba Fett. You know, we always right, right. thought of, you know, Boba Fett for so long. And then with Star Wars, lore it kind of turned into well this is the signature of that people of the mandalorians and and it's kind of like they they pride themselves on the the personalization of their armor so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing it in action because it looks gorgeous in that picture yeah i think um I think, yeah, it, it does look visually stunning. I'm surprised that they have that much actually filmed. I know that, uh, the guys from makingstarwars.net had some stuff about, uh, the, the filming locations and things like that. I didn't realize that they were, uh, this far ahead because everything looked like it was kind of like getting ready to shoot, not quite ready to shoot. Uh, we don't even know a cast yet, although there is a very exciting casting rumor that I think would be awesome. What is, what is this rumor? I don't know this rumor. Uh, the rumor that has been going around, and I think this is also from MakingStarWars.net, is that the star of this um, 
show, The Mandalorian, is going to be Pedro Pascal from Game <gasps> of Thrones. No And again, way. that's... Yeah, it's not confirmed, it's just a rumor, but they do have a great track record of, of being out ahead of those stories, so uh, I don't know. It, it could very well be. I personally am a big Pedro Pascal fan, yeah. so I would love to see that. Uh, but there hasn't been any official announcement yet. And, you know, maybe what we saw with that image, maybe that was just some test photography that they did, in which case you don't need the principal actors there. Oh my gosh, he needs to keep that helmet on at all times. Protect your eyes. All- yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He would have never lost that fight if he had the Mandalorian helmet I on. I know, he would mountain. still be the. Oh my gosh, that's great because I think... Um, we definitely did not get enough of him as uh, the Viper on Game of Thrones. That is true. That is true. So that's that's kind of an exciting uh, rumor. But what we know factually is that it's called The Mandalorian. We know that they have uh, some great talent back there. We know that they've got uh, the setting down as far as what time frame it's going to be uh, held in. So I think what we've heard so far about this show is really, really exciting. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to it, especially now yeah. after all of this. I mean, that just, it came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, boom, bam, here we go. Title, synopsis, surprise. Yeah, it seems like we're starting to get into that time of year where we're going to start to get more news about, you know, movies and things like that. I mean, we're, we're approaching, we're about 14 months from episode nine. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this shakes out as we're starting to get more and more news. Once they announce officially who the cast is going to be, uh, I think we're going to see excitement for the show really ramp up. And then you also have to work into account, you know, when they're going to drop this show on their streaming service. When is the streaming service going to debut officially? And I think uh, all of that remains news that we have yet to find out. So that's it for the Favreau series. A couple of other things that happened uh, in the past couple weeks. We had some of the, the more higher level stuff. Kathleen Kennedy extended her contract for another three years at Lucasfilm. So she will be heading up uh, Lucasfilm for the till 2021 currently, which um, I think is great news because Kathleen Kennedy is a beast of a producer. Uh, yeah. I know there were a lot of of people who try to, to make a lot of money off of YouTube clickbait who were saying that she was going to be out. No, she's not out. No. She's sticking around for a while. And uh, yeah. I, I assume she might retire after 2021. Um, she might stick around, but um, who knows? Who knows? Hopefully in that time it gives, I mean, if, if she is going to retire, hopefully it gives her some time to, uh, um, I don't know, take a prodigy or somebody under her wing. Because I, I think she's done amazing. I, I really have. I think she's been one of the best things to happen right. to Disney and Star Wars. I mean, she was handpicked by George Lucas to do this job. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think they Disney paid $4 billion for Lucasfilm, and uh, since she took over in 2012, they've made $4.5 billion. So, Carrie, the last so thing that I wanted to talk about on, is yeah. something uh, that's kind of exciting for me. I think it's yeah. exciting for you, too, which is amazing. exciting for it's everybody. Only gonna, it's only going to make more And money. that is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's going to be the uh, theme yes. park areas at Walt Disney World and Disneyland in California. I am so excited. I am chomping at the bit at at getting a hotel room and doing this entire immersive experience. I don't know anything more about it than that, but I know that I want to do it. 
Yeah, there's been some interesting news that has come out about Galaxy's Edge. I actually was in Orlando about a month ago, and I got to see, uh, at least uh, from a from a distance, um, you know what this looks like inside of Disney's Hollywood Studios. And the the first thing that that you notice about this land, this Galaxy's Edge area of the theme park that they're building, it is absolutely massive. It is it's, huge. It is huge, and uh, it's been it's been a couple months since I've been home in Orlando. But I did visit the studios not long before I left, and I don't even know if it's still open anymore. The the side entrance where you can go and park, um, where you drive right next to the area of where they are building this Galaxy's Edge. And I just, I worked at that park for so many years, and I kind of know where it's going in, but you just don't realize just how much real estate this is taking up until you actually see it. Because so much of that area was just used for like that back lot experience or that that tram ride that back lot tram and disaster canyon and so when you're when you went through it you only saw like a little tiny bit of it but that whole residential area and where lights camera action was which was some of the residential area but where disaster canyon was it's huge area this is a massive footprint yeah it is Enormous, And I know for the Galaxy's Edge version at Walt Disney World, they're looking at late 2019, which probably means December, which would, interestingly enough, potentially coincide with the release of Episode 9. Hmm, imagine that. And then they're talking about potentially summer for the Disneyland version, so summer of 2019. And I think if they're looking for a date... And if it was just me, if I worked for Disney, which I don't, and they were like, when should we aim to open? We're shooting for the summer of 2019. In my mind, there is only one date that you could open anything Star Wars related in the summer of 2019. And that is on May the 4th. Isn't That's that when technically it needs to happen. spring? Who cares? That's when it needs to happen. <laughs> If yeah. you're going to open a Star Wars area yeah. in your theme park, you have to do it on May 4th. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, the, and before I get into some of the stuff on Galaxy's Edge, just one little side note, talking about Episode Nine. Did you see the set photos that came out of Episode Nine? I saw something uh, a while ago, actually, that was like Chewbacca and some kind of weird space horse yes. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, saw that. Can... I haven't seen anything recently. Yeah, no, those are the, the, I think there's one of like the Millennium Falcon in the in the woods too. And it, it all looks like it's on this same planet. It's this kind of grass covered planet. And uh, you see Finn and Poe together. You see Chewbacca there. You see the space horses, you know, the tape. So they're going to be turned into some uh, other animals and yeah. using CGI or whatever. Um, a lot of people are thinking that, you know, who knows? It could be something like Endor. It could be something like Takodama. But... The rumor that I like is that it could be on Batu, the planet that they are using for Galaxy's Edge, which I think would be really cool. It'd be a really good way to tie all that stuff together. Oh, they're going to have to open the land at the same time that the movie comes out then. If they're going to yeah. tie it all in like that, 
That would be a missed opportunity if they yeah. don't, and really silly. It would be really, really cool if they did that. Yeah. Um, but with Galaxy's Edge, there's been all this news coming out. They're going to have um, a location called Ogus Cantina, which is going to be a uh, kind of classic Star Wars-style cantina where you're going to be able to get all kinds of drinks, boozy and otherwise. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, they're going to have two big e-ticket attractions where there's going to be the Millennium Falcon attraction, which sounds like it's going to be amazing, that apparently... Uh, on the solo DVD, if you buy it from Target, I believe, That's there's specific. an additional feature. I know, right? There's an additional feature on the DVD that gives you the first look inside the Millennium Falcon that they have created for Galaxy's Edge. Dang it! I don't have access to Target. I'm in Europe. They don't <laughs> have Target. <laughs> and apparently it's six seats. So that way, you know, they can just get more people into the ride. And it's totally interactive. So in a way that, like, Mission Space has different buttons for people to press, and if you don't press them, who cares anyway? Apparently right. this is fully interactive, where if the people that are carrying out their individual roles on the Falcon don't do them, you might fail the mission. And if oh. you fail the mission, that's going to follow you throughout the park. So what? you might go into the cantina and they might say, hey, you know, we're sending this bounty hunter after you because you couldn't get the shipment to where it needed to be. What? They're, yeah, they're doing this fully immersive thing with it. And they're trying to figure out ways. I've been reading a lot about the Disney technology. They're trying to figure out ways to, to make sure that, like, like, if you crash the Falcon, you crash it. And then 30 seconds later, the ride that you waited for is done. So they're trying to figure out ways to kind of extend it out. and But they're also going to make it consequential. They're going to make it to where the actions that you undertake in the ride follow you throughout the park during your time there. Yeah, but what if you ride the ride more than once? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that's all part of the stuff that they're doing. But they're they're aiming for total immersion here, right down to the way that, that uh, people pay for things, right down to um, merch shops and where they're going to be located. So they're really aiming for total immersion. And the coolest stuff, I mean, the other attraction they're looking for is an Escape the First Order attraction. There's going to be a lot of character interactions and things like that. But the really neat stuff is taking a look at some of the patents that Disney has filed. And because people are obsessed with Disney, people do all kinds of like news stories about Disney patents. They basically just search for patents that Disney's putting out there. But there are a few that have really, really been interesting. And one of them is a patent that they filed that will essentially allow them to potentially create floating images in a space in which viewers may be present. This is coming directly from the patent. Okay. Uh, such that viewers can be near the image and can walk about and interact with the floating image. So what this seems to suggest is that they are tinkering with the idea of creating force ghosts within Galaxy's Edge. Or a hologram. Yeah, but this, it could be a hologram too, but the specific idea of the floating seemed really interesting to me. Hmm. But haven't the some of the holograms they come in, they're kind of floating like that? Sure, sure, it could be. It could be. Uh but they're they're really pushing technology here. Now yeah. sometimes these patents, these things never materialize, but it's interesting to see kind of where their head's at. Another patent that they're looking at doing is uh somehow, in some way, giving the people that that 
go into one of these attractions, the ability to wield a lightsaber. And they're looking at doing an augmented reality lightsaber, which I think would be really cool. Well, they kind of have something like that already. I mean, not at Disney, but uh, there was some video game uh, that that they were selling where it was like virtual reality with right. a lightsaber and, and right. everything. So I'm wondering if it's just a larger version of that. Could be. Could be. And then the other thing that, that they have a patent out about is for um, essentially robot characters that are going to be able to interact with guests in the parks. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because Disney is going more and more with this character interaction thing. And uh, like you can have the experiences with Darth Vader, with Kylo Ren, with Chewbacca, and... Where they, I mean, and even with some of the First Order and and Stormtroopers, where they are actually interacting and talking with you. Right. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't surprise me uh, at but, all that they're going to go to something like droids. But those are, those are people in suits, whereas this, they're looking at full-on robots. They're looking at full-on droids. And even the idea of what they're calling droid swarm, like, it is a really crazy piece of technology that they are looking at doing. Uh, with this, uh, with this robot thing. Well, I would gather to say that it would be like right now they have where you can interact with BB-8, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a droid and you're interacting. I think they're, I would guess, and I, I don't have any, um, inside knowledge of this, but I would guess they're going to have it where he's not just stuck on a podium where he's actually going to be able to move around, but I think he's right. still going to be, humanly operated like how bb8 is that there's I, i'm gonna spoil the magic but there's somebody that's actually in another room that's watching what's happening and they're able to interact right. with the person you know it's not it's not all like you're not really act- interacting with computer you're interacting with a person who is pretending to be a droid so right. i would i would gather that this would be some type of remote control interactive thing as well i'm guessing yeah. i don't know uh, i'm not sure but i think the thing that seems to be most impressive about this is the level of detail and the uh, level of technology that disney is looking at here including yeah. things like um, i know they're talking about the star wars hotel that they're going to be building where basically you check into the hotel and for two days you live out a Star Wars based narrative that yeah. has you going into the parks, has you interacting with characters and that like there were stories about how they're going to keep guests from running into each other on the same narrative and how they have this like expansive scheduling software to schedule all of these interactions and stuff. It's just crazy the technology that they're uh, looking at and developing. Dude, this is Star Wars Westworld. It is. And it almost seems as if this is a trial run of something bigger. Like, let's try this here in the park. Let's, let's do this limited hotel where, you know, it's not, I don't think it's going to be like a massive, huge hotel. I don't think they're going to have a lot of people stay there at the same time. Again, this is just me guessing. So it's going to be a small, limited thing. As far as I know, the prices are just crazy expensive, but it sounds like it's going to be worth it. But I would, I would garner to guess that this is going to be 
something that they are going to want to do on a much larger scale if this is successful. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, this is this is definitely the more I read about it, it's really really insane like the level of technology. There's a really cool video that you can find on YouTube. If you go into YouTube, type in Disney stunt robots, you can also see that they are working on yeah. stunt robots that perform. I don't know if that's for Galaxy's Edge or potentially some upcoming Marvel expansion that they may do, but like I feel like they're only a few years away from like building an Iron Man, you know. <laughs> Yeah, my understanding is that the stunt robots are used for uh, stunts in movies. Interesting. That's that's my understanding. Now, would they use it in a theme park capacity? I don't know. Probably, I, I say probably not, only because when you are in a theme park environment, it's something that has to be durable and it has to run multiple, multiple times. And... As far as I know, this technology with the stunt robot, it's really expensive and it's not going to be something that's going to run multiple times like that. Where a movie, you maybe right. only have to run it a couple times and that's it. That's all it has to do. Whereas a theme park, even if you're doing just a show, minimum five times a day. Minimum. And this is right. talking like every day and, uh, yeah, I, I I don't see this being used for theme park. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. But I mean, I feel like this is the kind of... When you look at all the patents that Disney is, is filing for Galaxy's Edge, you can definitely see that they are aiming for the moon here on this thing. Even if they yeah. don't use some of this stuff. You, we're seeing where the technology is pushing everything. And you know, when you talk about what Universal did with their Harry Potter areas of the theme park... Um, it seems like what Disney is, is trying to do with with Star Wars is something even more immersive. And and yeah. those Harry Potter areas feel super immersive themselves. They do. And I'm I'm so happy to see this because for the last I don't know, maybe ten plus years, it seems like Disney's really been kind of behind in stuff mm. with theme parks. And and it's it's been sad because Disney was always like the pinnacle. Like everybody was trying to do what Disney was doing and it felt for a while like Disney was trying to play catch up a little bit. I think the powers that be weren't willing to spend the money to do things um that are kind of out there and innovative and different. They were playing it safe in many respects. So this makes me really happy that they are now back to pushing the boundaries again, which is, uh, you know, where they always yeah. were. So I'm excited about it. I know what they can do. And I know that they have some amazing creative minds. And I know that they have some amazing people behind their Star Wars projects, because I personally know some of them. And I'm really excited about the things that they have coming. Yeah, it sounds like with with Galaxy's Edge, they are trying to kind of uh, re-envision how people have experiences at theme parks. Yeah. And another cool story, uh, I think it's just a rumor at this point, nothing has been confirmed yet. Um, it, it's one of those things that when you hear it, it sounds too good to be true, but it actually sounds like the way it should be. Um, one of the recent rumors that came out is that the uh, area music, the soundtrack for Galaxy's Edge will be a collaboration of John Williams and Michael Giacchino creating oh, wow. original music 
for the Galaxy's Edge areas of the theme parks. Coming to a CD that you can purchase from the parks, I'm sure. And it's one of those things where, like, that sounds way too good to be true, because, like, I know, like, John Tesh did a bunch of music for, like, Epcot and stuff, but, um, (laughs) but it sounds too good to be true, but at the same time, if you're going to create this area of a theme park that's going to be there for 30, 40, 50 years into the future, um, it feels only right that John Williams' fingerprints are directly on the project. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully that pans out. I'd like to hear an official announcement about that soon. Yeah. Absolutely. So Galaxy's Edge looks to be one of those things that's going to be a great experience for Star Wars fans. Um, It's going to be one of those things that's going to probably take a while for everybody to get to, but uh, the coming years are looking like a lot of fun if you're a a fan of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm only torn because there is a, there is, you, you're hearing it here first. There's a distinct possibility that I still may not be in the country when this opens. So knowing that it's happening in my hometown and I may not be there is, oh, it's frustrating, but I will huh. get there when I can get there. Maybe they'll get stuff ironed well, out I by mean, the time the, I'm able to go. I would love to to go down and see this thing when it opens, but it's going to be a nightmare of just people traffic. Oh yeah, that's the way that it's been uh, for Toy Story Land. I now I haven't been there because it opened since I've been on tour, but from what I've seen of my friends that work there and people that have visited, Toy Story Land is crazy, but it's a lot smaller. So I don't know, maybe the size and, yeah. and space of Star Wars area is going to help that. I don't know. I'm not sure, but it definitely gives us something to be excited about in the future. Oh, yeah. So that's a lot of Star Wars news that we covered, Carrie. Lots going on. Oh, it's so exciting. And it's just amazing to me that just last week I was in London knowing that there was a Star Wars movie that was in production at the time in the same city that I was in was just really cool. Awesome. Very cool. And we're about 14 months away from episode nine. (laughs) All right, everybody. So you guys have heard our thoughts on all of the star Wars news that's been coming out over the last several weeks and months, but we'd like to hear your thoughts on all this stuff as well, including galaxy's edge and John Favreau series and episode nine, everything you want to know. Um, yeah, so hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdFlixChill. You can also subscribe on iTunes, listen on Stitcher, and if you are throwing, uh, if you are listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. You can find all of our new episodes at lrmonline.com. And until next time, everybody, thanks for listening to us. May the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. 